Hey guys, before we get to the mysteries, we want to tell you about another podcast that we think you're really going to like. Check it out. The Mona Lisa, The Hope Diamond, The Sarcophagus of King to Uncommon. Humanity has accumulated hundreds upon hundreds of priceless artifacts and treasures, each one the physical embodiment of a certain time and place. But for all of humankind's greatest achievements, we also kind of suck. For every priceless painting on display in the Louvre, there is another masterpiece stolen and bartered off in an underground auction, or even collecting dust in your grandmother's attic. Each week, Relic, the Lost Treasure podcast, explores the strange, but mostly true, tales behind history's greatest lost treasures. If you like unsolved mysteries and true crime, with maybe a little less murder, but certainly a few weird deaths, then you should come along on the journey. Join me, Maxwell, as I dig beneath the couch cushions of history. You can find Relic on iTunes or stream us at relic.blueberry.net. That's blueberry without the E's. Adventure awaits. Hello? You said that like a question. Hello? Hello? Is anyone there? Is anyone listening? This is... I mean, it might be perhaps it's you. An Unsolved Mysteries fan rewatch podcast. And I might be Liz. I might be Samantha. Or maybe we're aliens. Our bodies have been snatched and we've been replaced. Whoa. No. Did I even think about that possibility when I woke up today? I did not. That you're an artificial alien replica? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Nah, we're the same. Oh. As we always have been. All Unfortunately. Right. It's a little bit boring now that you put that idea in my we, mind. We could keep pretending that we <laughs> I don't want to know how dorky I'll be if alien I body snatcher. <laughs> by pretending to be an alien this whole episode. <laughs> well, and anyway, then they never found the treasure. <laughs> See? So bad. It sounded just like an alien. <laughs> That's exactly how they sound. Sort of like Humans impersonating robots in bad old movies. Yes. Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's been a while since we've done this. I'm kind of excited to do like a regular episode. A regular normal episode. I like it. We did our our collab with Mike and Josh successfully yes. last week. Yes. Because we Somehow. are... Somehow. No, because we are master podcasters. <laughs> We're total pros. We... We definitely know how to set up a mixer. We definitely... Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Definitely don't look at our setup and then go, oh, just like my impression of Josh right there. Actually, Josh looked at our setup and still gave us the benefit of the doubt. He was like, oh, you must fix this in post. And I'm like, I have no idea what you just said. We do absolutely nothing. We talk into a microphone. certainly don't do whatever he was talking about. Sometimes that doesn't even work. He was so gracious about it. Man, oh, man. Yeah, he really was. But we could tell. He was like, oh, how does this work? He's like, why did I agree to come on the show of a couple of fuck-ups? Well, (laughs) you did. It's in the record books now. Here you are. We did a little Q&A episode to stall a week. (laughs) And now we're back to normal. We're back to normal. It feels good. It feels good. Yeah, and it feel good. we're on the last episode of season one. I can't I believe never it. thought we'd How get did we here. Make it this far? I have no clue. Uh, when we were just starting out at the Brooklyn Park Library, <laughs> did we ever think... We're little baby podcasters. Testing out equipment, going, is this a microphone? We knew even less then than we do now. 
We did. We really did. Somehow. If you could have seen us struggling at the Brooklyn Park Library. I don't oh even know God. how we got that to work. We had to like feed a cable through a wall. <laughs> we did have to do that. We maybe I'm, I'm not saying that we took a scissors to uh <laughs> to a tie down to release <laughs> release some equipment. There was literally a part where I asked Samantha if she had a knife. <laughs> Actually, we didn't end up doing that. We thought about doing that, but we didn't because we couldn't find one. Oh, yeah. They had, like, tethered down some of their equipment so you couldn't bring it into the other room, but we, like, needed that cord. <laughs> so we were at one point contemplating cutting it. I was like, I'll just get a zip tie and replace it, and they'll never know. <laughs> it didn't end up happening. It but didn't, but we did get it to that's, work that's somehow. the rebels that we are <laughs> at the library. Like, we'll break the rules, but then we'll replace it with a perfect replica, just like the aliens have done with our bodies. <laughs> And no one will ever be wiser. Exactly. So how are you? I'm pretty good. I was going to say, here's Samantha, cool as a cucumber. You would never know that she is both building a house and about to get married. (sighs) Oh my God. You have no idea the two weeks that I've had. Not only am I building a house and about to get married, but my work has been so crazy. I know. Literally, one day I ran from one meeting to my desk, looked around for something edible, grabbed two (laughs) Girl Scout cookies, and ran to my next meeting. It's been nuts. So I've been a little MIA from Instagram and really anything having to do with this podcast. It was nice not to have to edit a podcast this week. I just wanted to go home and watch Netflix and make those little felt flowers you gave me for my birthday. (laughs) The succulents (laughs) that will never die. Yeah, that's all I've wanted to do is just sit there and mindlessly roll some felt while not watching It's just impressive to me that you would never know all of this was going on with Samantha because she's just like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. She seems fine. Yeah, on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> Yet all this chaos swirls around Things her. are going to calm down because we've pushed the date out of the wedding to oh, okay. the end of the summer. Oh. So I don't know if I've told you that yet. I didn't know that. Yeah. But. We had we were going to do it in April. And then we were like, wait a second, our house is going to be done in April or May. And then we're going to move into the house. And we have to have a wedding? This is a terrible idea. <laughs> so yeah, we pushed that out a little bit. And work's going to start calming down. And the house isn't going to... That's still going to be really busy, but... Sure. But such is life, I guess. You just seem very adult to me. Do I? Yeah. Well, I'm glad I seem that way. You're you're very on the ball. <laughs> I'm glad I seem that way. I have no updates. I'm sure I should, but... No, we have some updates because we picked our giveaway winners That's finally. That's true, yes. We said we were going to do it like two weeks ago and we forgot. So... Check Look, your... Samantha's been busy and I just didn't do it. <laughs> so what do you want from me? Uh, we had to do it together for some reason. I yeah, don't know why. We, we probably didn't need to do it together, but we did. And so check your social media. Yes. Uh, we had a winner for Instagram and a winner for Facebook. Serendipitously, we have two Rebecca's that won. We had to check and make sure it wasn't <laughs> the same person. They're not the same one. Two so, Rebecca's I guess I'm Sarah. Ass- I'm assuming Becky. Becky's full name is Rebecca, but maybe not. Yeah. So. Anyway. So, so congratulations. They get their stack swag from PB and J. So send Ta-da! us send us your addresses, which, you know, we will not is a use, safe thing to do. Not use for nefarious purposes, <laughs> obviously. And we will send you your stack swag. Yeah. And your Sweet. your perhaps it's you merch. What? Thank you, Jen, from PB and J. Yeah. So excited. On Etsy. I can finally pronounce your Etsy shop name. Um, we have one more update, and that is that next, we're not going to have a break in programming between seasons, but next week we're going to do a non-Unsolved Mysteries episode. It's going to be listener stories. So this is your last chance. You have a couple more days to get to us get listener stories. your stories. If you saw a ghost, if you saw a UFO, mm-hmm. if you, I don't know, had an embarrassing incident in a trench coat, anything? Uh, maybe not that. <laughs> 
anything tangentially unsolved mysteries related yeah that's not too dirty let us know and we may read it on the show Did we have a lot of listener stories a threesome with liz taylor and jfk and robert snack yeah tell us i guess that's a foursome tell us <laughs> yeah that would be a foursome <laughs> that we need to know about so it's perhaps it's you podcast at, at gmail.com. gmail.com we have a lot of listener stories because we've been saying we're gonna do this for like months i think it's this is the right time to do it and yeah. maybe we'll if it goes well we could do one at the end of season two Sure. And then we'll we'll save up the good stories that people send us, and we'll do a, a periodic listener episode. There's probably some of you who have forgot that you even sent us stories. And then you'll but... go, oh, yeah, that was me. <laughs> I did see that ghost UFO with Bigfoot driving it. Yes, that's what you're going to hear next week. And then the week after, we're starting season two. So <gasps> get excited, folks. How has this happened? I have no clue. How have we learned so little? I figured we would quit this thing after two times. I mean... We really were, it was just like the, the most, the whimmiest whim. Oh, let's just try it. It really was the whimmiest whim. Which is not my style at all. We're like, oh, let's just see how it goes. Yeah. And then it went well. I don't Now we're still doing it? I guess that's like a lesson in being more positive, but I refuse to take it. <laughs> have I applied this to any other area of my life? Nope. Uh-uh. No, I'm not I going to. Not. Um, should we get started? Because we have the world's longest treasure segment to talk about. Samantha is really eager to get started because she cannot wait to you, to talk to you about treasure. What's hilarious is, so we go back and forth. Yes. I don't know that we always did, but. At least now we switch off. We switch off who does the first mystery each episode so that it kind of fairly. Is, Distributes them. Yeah. yeah. It just happens that Samantha keeps getting treasure. <laughs> Every treasure segment just happens to by the by the, the universe fates, is a cruel bitch you guys keeps coming to samantha it's like who's gonna talk about this treasure is it gonna be liz it's gonna of be course me. not who's gonna talk about this treasure segment that's almost the whole episode it's so long i will say in its defense it's probably the best one we've had yet so i have to say something that you're gonna be shocked i didn't hate this treasure segment I didn't hate it, and I actually... I'm so shocked, I can't even speak. I actually have a theory about where the treasure is, which tells you that I believe this treasure is actually real. Uh, so, yeah. Holy shit. You've all been... I'm, I've blown you all away, but I'm not saying that this is my favorite mystery, and it was way too long, but as far as treasure segments go, I didn't hate it, actually. If people want to learn more about Treasurer, I'm going to give a shout out to our friend Maxwell over at relic podcast yeah who for somehow some... tweeted us even though we shit on treasure all the time yeah somehow likes our show even though samantha's like whole deal is treasure's not real <laughs> and she has that as a tattoo on her forearm <laughs> so if you actually like treasure and you're tired of us bashing on treasure you definitely want to check out that show that actually might be the promo for the beginning of this episode now that i think about it well then there, might be wrong. there's all the info you needed you'll get the info right in there. that promo either this week or next week so, yeah, this is the world's longest treasure segment. Before we get to that, though, I have to say that Robert Stack, at the beginning of this episode, is walking down some stairs, and he says, Tonight's cases feature ordinary people <laughs> thrust into a vortex of mystery, heartbreak, and intrigue. I kind of want that on a t-shirt. not super true about these segments. <laughs> I wonder if that's just, like, from some random episode, and when Amazon edited it together, they're like, yeah, we'll just slap that at the this beginning This one sounds this. good. Robert Stack, I think I've written down some notable quotables from Robert Stack in this episode. He's very poetic. Nice. I, I wrote down from this same moment, Robert Stack's peacoat fits perfectly. <laughs> this show is secretly a long ad in favor of quality tailoring. <laughs> so... 
I couldn't remember the word peacoat when I was taking notes. What did I wrote down? A felt like trench jacket over a suit. <laughs> I mean, it's true. What is a peacoat? Question mark. That's what I've written down. Yes. A so felt like. I was like, what word am I looking for? It looks kind of like a felt and it's a trench jacket. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah, that's my fashion <laughs> knowledge. Couldn't remember that word. All right, treasure. So next we go to some caves, which is where Robert Stack is for this mystery. Yeah, I do. I love Robert Stack in a cave. <laughs> Hell yeah, I do. He should always be in a cave. It's really what? this is really well shot. They kind of the camera comes around a corner in this cave. Robert Stack is walking towards you, and he's backlit from like the entrance of the cave. And he's, of course, wearing his Alcatraz outfit because it's cold. He has one, like, actually in the outdoors outfit, and he just keeps m- using it. it. Does anybody know what cave this is? I have no idea. It's Let us perfect. know. Because I would like to go to this cave. Maybe it was just a set in Hollywood somewhere. Yeah, that's also possible. I don't know. It looked really good. If it's a real cave, someone that knows more about Unsolved Mysteries than us, which is a lot of people, <laughs> let me know. The other thing I wrote down is that when he comes out of the shadows wearing his Alcatraz outfit, his first words are buried treasure. And then I responded with an audible groan. (laughs) But Samantha, would you say the very words have a mythic ring? Because I wrote that down. No. Although I took a (laughs) screenshot of that and put it on Instagram. (laughs) Buried treasure. The very words have a mythic ring. This is what I'm saying. Robert Stack has some... Quality one-liners in this episode. He's, My next note is just, is Robert Stack in a cave? Question mark. Yeah, he is. I wrote, in a cave equals great outfit. <laughs> that makes sense. He looked like he was a little cold. He had his hands in his pockets. So, anyway, enough about Robert Stack. <laughs> also, shout out to our listener in the UK that, that wrote us a review that listens to this podcast, has never watched Unsolved Mysteries, and doesn't know who Robert Stack is. We love you. You're the best. Thanks for your five-star review. I don't know how you started listening to this podcast, <laughs> but I appreciate that you put up with all this Robert Stack talk despite having no clue who that is. Who is this Robert Stack person? Who is this of which you speak? He must be pretty cool. So, Robert Stack tells us that tonight we will learn about the legend of a vast treasure buried in underground caverns in New Mexico. Today, the treasure could be worth nearly $2 billion. Some say it was discovered 50 years ago, at the time of the Unsolved Mysteries broadcast, by a man named Doc Noss and his wife, Babe. Babe stood by her husband, even though many people believed him to be a con man. And Robert Stack tells us that part of the episode will be a previously untelevised interview with her. So you can look forward to that. Actually, this interview with Babe is hilarious. She has taken no one's shit. She has no time for for your nonsense. She's like leaned back in her chair and she's like, yeah, we found a treasure. What do you want to do about it? Yeah, let me have my treasure. She's so funny and so sassy. So, the treasure, uh, basically, is the treasure real or an elaborate scam? That's the mystery here. Uh, next, we go to a shot of the New Mexico mountains. Robert Stack's voiceover tells us that White Sands, New Mexico, is a 1,000-acre part of the desolate, I'm going to call it Embryo Basin, because that's how Robert <laughs> Stack pronounces it, but it's spelled Embryo. You're, you lived in New Mexico. I don't know which is Is it the Embryo Basin or know. the Embryo Basin? White Sands National Monument is a really cool place. If you ever get the chance to go, it's a, like a, I think it's a gypsum stone deposit. Anyway, it's like all just white sand. Oh. 
And it's huge. So when you're walking around, it feels like you're on the moon. Cool. Like, it's just a very otherworldly experience. I've wandered around there at night, and it's bizarro. So, yes, definitely check it out, but I have no idea how to pronounce that word. We'll call it Embryo. Okay. Because that's how Robert's back. I watched with the subtitles on, and it says Embryo, but... It doesn't really matter, Whatever. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Robert's deck tells us that this inhospitable environment is home only to rattlesnakes, sagebrush, vultures, and mule deer. What is no a one mule else? deer? I have no clue. Is a mule crossed with a deer? Mules are infertile. They're sterile. You can't, you can't breed mules. So why is it a mule deer? Maybe it's an infertile deer? No. Let's just make shit up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I no. I just discounted no my opinions by cackling. You would have taken them so seriously if I hadn't Liz. laughed. The cackling has to stop. Okay, total side note. Have you seen that those Alexa things have just randomly started yes. cackling? Oh my god, yes. Which Have you listened, watched one of the videos? Yeah. Have, it is creepy as fuck. It's so scary. I mean, I would, I'm super paranoid, so I would never have one of those things anyway. Like, I'm the already, government is listening to you on them. I'm, but they're probably listening to our phones anyway, so whatever. Yeah, I'm already like paranoid about that, so I'm not going to like put extra devices in my house. <laughs> But the idea that it would just start randomly evilly laughing. But then when I saw that news story, I was like, the cackling has to stop. Alexa. The yeah. cackling has to stop. Apparently, people have been trying to use their Alexas to, like, turn off the lights. And they'll just say, Alexa, turn off the lights. And, like, it won't do it. And they'll, like, keep asking. And then eventually it just laughs. And doesn't turn off the lights. <laughs> we are in a, like, space odyssey Isn't situation where it is just going to go, oh, you know, I'm sorry, Hal. I can't do that. Which, okay, shout out to my dad, who I know is listening. Back in the day, my dad set up our computer without telling me that when you used to get an error message all the time, if you had like a desktop computer in the 90s, it like couldn't do anything. And we would constantly get this error message. My dad recorded him saying, I'm sorry, Liz, I can't do that. So the first time I got an error message when I didn't know, that's what it said. That was the sound effect he had put in. It was hilarious. Anyway. That is hilarious. That's the situation that we're in now with Alexa's. They are cackling at you. The cackling will not stop. It will not stop. No. It's here to stay. Yeah. It's definitely here to stay on this podcast, but whatever. I'm sorry. So continue with this. I'm actually excited about this. In November 1937, a man named Doc Noss was deer hunting. According to Babe, and this is from the previously untelevised interview, um, the women went on these hunting trips, but they stayed at camp while the men went out looking for deer. Babe says that Doc went up onto a hill and moved a rock. Out from under the rock came a, quote, big puff of air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doc knew that he'd found something, but he didn't know what. The hole was big enough for a person to go down and contained a crude ladder. Doc went down the ladder where he discovered a vast labyrinth, in the words of Robert Stack. If you found a hole with a crude ladder, would you go down into Absolutely it? Absolutely not. By yourself? No. no. Or with anyone else, for that matter. Oh. Just cover the ra- cover it, put, put the rock back. First I think- of all, I wouldn't be in the wilderness on a hill. Well, that's but true. But if I was and I found a hole... No, absolutely not. I feel like I would go and get someone else, but I would want to know what was in there. Maybe I would see if someone else wanted to go down there. But I feel like the odds of you just falling and breaking your neck. That's what's going to happen. No one ever finding your body. You're not going to find treasure. You're going to kill yourself. So whatever. But he went down it. And found treasure. Yeah, a vast labyrinth. He... (laughs) So he went deeper and deeper until he found a vaulted cavern. In the cavern, he found a chest with the words sealed silver written in old English script. 
Inside the chest was I according like the to idea that people have to label that they have so many treasure chests <laughs> you don't want to open them, right? Well, like, oh, what's in this one? Oh, that's the silver. <laughs> the the gold. Silver. This one is my pigeon blood rubies. <laughs> a phrase that's used in this segment that I had never heard before in my life. Uh, Did you Google pigeon blood ruby? No, I they're just... they're beautiful. Oh, they're really pretty. Is it just like a darker ruby? It's kind of dark, yeah, dark red. Okay. And I think they're very big. I don't know if they're more expensive than regular rubies or rare. I didn't read anything about them. I just Google imaged them. <laughs> sure. But yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so he, the reenactment of this is hilarious too because he's in this dark, like blue hued cave. And when he opens up the chest, because you're looking at it from below, literally like a light shines out of the chest like in a fucking movie it's yeah it's like the pulp fiction briefcase yeah it's it's somehow like illuminating you know how treasure just glows yeah like gold like in a cartoon yeah you know how metal has an interior light (laughs) and it shines forth it's so you can help you find treasure yeah exactly and then inside the chest according to the reenactment was just a pile of coins yeah like an actual buried treasure so, but that was only the beginning. Really? Yes. Robert Stack says that the chest was just the tip of the iceberg. The treasure, which today... The treasure iceberg. <laughs> that's the iceberg you want to hit. Yeah. So today, this treasure would be valued around $1.7 billion and may still be hidden under, and I love this from Robert Stack, the craggy scopes of Victorio Peak. I don't know what craggy even means. Like rugged? I guess. Bumpy? <laughs> Bumpy the kid. Bumpy the mountain. Bumpy the mountain. Bumpy mountain. I don't know. It's like, you know, instead of smooth, it's craggy. Sure. So next we get some history on Doc and Babe. Unsolved Mysteries shows a picture of Doc who looks, I don't know, far too modern. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah, this photo I, I would of him. agree with that. It also looks like he was from one of those old timey, like old West photos that you like get with your family. Which you, you have can to get dress up at the Mall of America. That's right. Come to Minnesota. You should, well, you can get it in like any theme park, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, also the Mall of America. Also the Mall of America. Did you ever do that with your family? I never I don't did. think so. But Mac and I once saw a guy at Mall of America getting an old timey West photo just himself. <laughs> We still talk about it all the time. We assume that he like brought his iPhone to the Apple store and then was like, had all this time to kill and he's just like wandering around the mall. Like, what am I going to do? Go I to guess- Underwater World. It's not called that anymore. Go yeah. ride a ride in. Mall of America is so big. It has a goddamn aquarium in it. Yeah. Which is a pretty awesome aquarium. It has um, a hall of mirrors. That's super weird. It has an like, amusement park. Go ride a ride. But we think he got so bored that he's like, fine, I'll just take an old Tommy West photo (laughs) by myself, standing with like one foot on a barrel. It kind of looks like what Doc did. Maybe. Except he wasn't really old timey. Maybe this whole thing is fake and was actually, (laughs) maybe they just went to an amusement park. Yeah, maybe. Babe's, like Babe's old photos though, she had style. She really did. Yeah. Anyway, Doc was travel was a traveling medicine showman, which, which I took to, artist. Yeah, I took to mean snake he was, oil salesman. He traveled around selling cocaine to cure all your ailments, I assume, or just like colored water Probably. that cost a hundred dollars, right? In his way too short tie. Look, that's his just tie how they was were. like two inches long. I don't know. Who anyway. knows? Maybe that's coming back next year. Get on get on it, everyone. The two-inch tie. The two-inch tie. <laughs> In 1933, he married Ova Beckwith. Doc nicknamed her Babe, and it stuck. Probably because Ova Beckwith is such an unfortunate name. That's a terrible name. name. Yeah. So Don't she name was your kids that. Ova? Ova, Ova Beckwith? Beckwith? 
It does not really roll off the tongue. At least not my tongue. Maybe someone with a prettier voice could make that no. work. So then she was Babe Nos. That's which is, way better. Which is better. This episode is full of quotables, is what I wrote down. Robert Stack next says that they settled down and opened a foot clinic in Hot Springs, New Mexico. Yeah. Hot Springs is an interesting place <laughs> that uh, does have natural hot springs and uh, attracts a lot of hippies. And it's very colorful. I wish I had spent more time Is there. Is there an abundance of foot clinics? There's. A, I feel like there's a bunch of like different types of health things, like holistic, sure. because of the, the natural springs. The hot springs. Yeah. Sure. Did you see, I saw this on Facebook, that scientists now believe that taking a bath burns as many calories as taking a 30-minute walk? So, I did not. And am I planning to take a bath tonight now? Yeah, I am. Yeah, my exercise routine is Done. set in stone All right. now. <laughs> bath a day. Got it. They call it like internal heating or something, which is like if you heat up your core temperature by taking a bath or like sitting in a sauna, you burn as many calories as if you go that for a walk. Like stupid old timey science. And it's barely real. But it's like come back around. Yeah. So, guys, every the bath I take every day, all that time I'm wasting, not a waste. <laughs> burning calories that's your self-care and your exercise all in one hell yeah so terry delonis doc's grandson is interviewed for the show he has a very caterpillar like mustache he was not my pick he was not my pick either although his mustache matched his eyebrows very well that's true but he's not my pick my pick my (laughs) pick so wistfully that's true it is that's true my pick is in this in this segment though okay mine isn't i feel like i know who you picked there's a very good mustache later (laughs) liz's (laughs) I'm pantomiming the length of a mustache right now. Yes. Uh, So he says that Doc loved adventure and was fascinated with history. He describes Babe as strong-willed and independent. Which the reenactment of her made her seem like a horrible loudmouth grouch that wore ill-fitting overalls. Yeah. Just head-to-toe denim all the time. And it's just her, like, nagging and yelling. And just being like, I want the treasure! Treasure is mine! (laughs) Bye, 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 bye! It wasn't the most flattering reenactment. It wasn't the most flattering reenactment, but I also kind of liked it because you could tell she had no time for your shit. Oh, yeah. And that, I think that's how she was like in real life. It, it, it captured her spirit. Mm-hmm. After discovering the treasure, Doc and Babe spent every free moment exploring the tunnels under the mountains. They found several ca- caverns. Inside one, Doc found 79 human skeletons stacked inside a small enclosure. This is the best reenactment. Is a guy like crawling alongside a wall of a cave kind of like spider-man and then like right around the corner is like a halloween fake skeleton like it was pretty good it's the best please screenshot that moment for me i love it caves consider it done they found (laughs) (laughs) i am pro exploring caves should we go to a cave this summer there are several caves caves in the area in minnesota that are supposedly haunted (gasps) I know the, there's one the where you Wabasha can do a, Street a flashlight tour. Oh, okay. There's some in Stillwater, the Wabasha Street Caves. People go swing dancing in those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which does seem cool to me. I think it is, like if I could dance. But. Yeah. Anyway. So they also found amazing riches, jewels, coins, and priceless artifacts. They found chests. Motherfucking crowns. Yeah, swords. A crown. I put in parentheses, of course. Babe describes the crown as having 40 diamonds and one pigeon blood ruby. Which is apparently a real thing. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It must be rare. 
Sure, I've never heard that before in my life. They showed a picture of a crown over and over in the segment. I don't know if that was like the crown. Babe claims that she took it out of the cave and washed it, but then somehow it ended up back in the cave. Yeah, I didn't understand that. So I'm not really sure. If I found a crown in the cave, I would keep it. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Is it mine? I would still keep it. Finders keepers. We'll talk about this later, though, but apparently in this time it was illegal to own gold that wasn't in the form of jewelry. Yeah. I do think they didn't really want word getting out that they had all of this. But the crown, isn't the crown count as in the form of jewelry? I mean, I feel like it would raise some questions you might not want to answer. You're like, oh no. Like, where'd you get this crown? You just hide (laughs) it. Don't tell anyone. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I would do. I mean, it would be hard not to just, like, wear it around at all times if you (laughs) found a real crown like you're just like going to the grocery store but liz where did you get that crown with that pigeon blood diamond (laughs) oh you know it's just passed down from my family generation to generation they're like really because you run a foot spa and you sell snake oil it's like oh yeah i'm actually like descended by from royalty though so don't don't mind the crown don't look into it though yeah (laughs) So next, Robert Stack says that in another cavern, Doc discovered what appeared to be a stack of worthless iron bars. And I just wrote down, not really sure how in the midst of this vast and grand treasure, you would dismiss bars of metal as worthless, but okay. Uh, Of course, they were gold. In fact, there was... (laughs) He kept thinking it was pig iron. Yeah. And for some reason... Until Babe was like, could you like bring one out and we'll look at it? And then it was gold. Like, she, I think she just, like, wanted it for some practical. She was like, oh, I need pig iron. Isn't there some actually in that cave? And he was like, oh, I don't want to bring it out. It's really heavy. And they brushed it off. And, and it she was, was like, like, she was gold. like, you dumb motherfucker. This is gold. <laughs> yeah, there was apparently 16,000 bars of gold. Which, that's a lot. That's a lot of gold. So next they outlined the four theories of how this enormous treasure came to be buried under a New Mexico mountain. Most of them are about evil white people. Yep. Theory number one, the treasure belonged to Juan Deante, the man who founded New Mexico as a Spanish colony. According to legends, he amassed a large Aztec treasure. Okay. Theory number two, a Catholic missionary named Father LaRue operated gold mines near Victoria Peak in 1979 and stored his gold in the cavern. Should a missionary really be operating gold mines? Uh, no. <laughs> this doesn't seem very Christ-like, uh, but okay. what do uh, I know? I'm a heathen. Yeah. Theory number three. The, tre- the treasure belonged to Maximilian, the emperor of New Mexico in the 1860s, and who had... Oh, I wrote down... What was the name of that mustache? The, the one that goes into the mutton chops? I can't remember. Oh. I have a picture of it. The Chester B. Arthur? Maybe that was it. I know that it had a name. But yeah, he had an incredible mustache mutton chop combo. Yeah. And I wrote down, had a question mark mustache? <laughs> I, do, I couldn't remember the name <laughs> of it. What's that term we got told and then promptly forgot? Yeah, so he had one of those. He apparently snuck his wealth out of Mexico after learning of an assassination plot against him. So it could have been his. And he did keep a lot of his wealth in pigeon blood rubies. So I just made that up. That's not true. Yeah, well, maybe he did. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, theory number four. The treasure belonged to an Apache tribe that had raided stagecoaches. I hope that's the true one. That, that one sounds pretty cool. But why would stagecoaches have like swords? That was my question. And a crown. And a crown. I don't know. So that's probably not true. Like if it was just coins and stuff. It would make more sense. And bars of gold. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. That seems a little far-fetched. I would say it's probably one of the powerful 
people. Yeah. If it's real. If it's real. So after finding their treasure, Doc and Babe attempted to file a claim. This might be my favorite reenactment yet on the show. And this guy is also my pick for MBM. It was the guy behind the counter who was so sassy. And he had those Coke bottle glasses. And that... I don't know. The mustache was cool, but, like, his whole demeanor was hilarious. I feel like in every Western, there is this guy. He's usually the banker. For some reason, he has round glasses, and no one else in town does. And he has a certain kind of gray mustache, and then he has a stripy shirt that, that has, like, a garter on the yep, arm. Yep, yep, And he was wearing these lovely red suspenders. Yeah. And I then, just wrote down, this is everything. And then he's like, so what are what are y'all up to with this mining thing? Because they're trying to establish the claim to the land the treasure's on so they can legally obtain the treasure. Right. Which is smart. Yeah, it is. I think I would have just taken it, but <laughs> they're, they're trying to do their due... Due diligence, despite being snake oil salesmen. Yes. So they filed a lease for the entire section of the land. They also filed mining claims and something that is actually called a treasure trove claim. Um, Doc mined the peak for two years. Witnesses claim to have seen him take many gold bars out from the mine, but he apparently proceeded to hide them from everyone, including his family. (laughs) The thing with finding treasure... I would imagine it makes you kind of paranoid. I think it did. And normally I would be like, oh, of course he took the treasure out and then reburied it. But apparently it was illegal to own gold in a form that's not jewelry. So, so he was worried about people finding it. I, this he couldn't like, just take it out of the mine and sell it. Right. Because I was like, just go to a bank, dude. But he couldn't. He could not. And I guess he didn't want to keep it all in his root cellar. So right. he just ended up like randomly burying yeah. it around rivers and shit. He didn't do a great job of hiding the treasure. They would do things like bury it in the ground and just put a different colored rock on top of where they buried it. So I'm just slowly shaking my head in disapproval. Not a great plan. Eventually, he hired an engineer to help him dynamite part of the mine. But Doc got into an argument with the engineer about how much of a charge to use. According to uh, some woman who isn't named, I don't think. Uh, No, this was Babe. Just kidding. There was a woman later that they didn't give a name to who said a bunch of stuff. Uh, Oh, yeah. That was Babe said that the mountain was, quote, rotten. And the uh, but the engineer insisted on using a stronger charge, and what happened was that it caused a cave-in that collapsed the mine and shut Doc out of his cavern forever. And at this point, he had only gotten about a hundred or so gold bars out of the mine. Doc's grandson says that he became very protective of those gold bars. Well, sure, right. That's all he had, and all he was going to get. For nine years, Doc attempted to sell his gold bars illegally on the black market. Didn't have a lot of success. In 1948, he met a man named Charlie Ryan. The man, the men came to a deal where Doc would give Charlie 51 gold bars. Charlie would sell them, and then they'd split the money. And then in the reenactment, Charlie says, yeah, I could go for that. Like, he's just casually buying a latte or something. Yeah. Like, who is this guy? So, at the last minute... Doc, quote, feared that Charlie would double-cross him. Which so, actually seems pretty likely. Considering this what happens next. Terrible. Yeah. So he asked a friend named Tony Jolly to help him Best rebury the gold in a new hiding spot. Best name ever. The next day, Doc and Charlie argued about the gold, and Charlie pulled a gun on Doc. 
While they are arguing, at least according to the reenactment, Doc sees an opportunity to, opportunity to flee and runs from the house. Charlie's wife freaks out and yells that Doc is going for his gun that's in his truck, and she screams, shoot him, shoot him, and Charlie shoots him from behind. He literally shoots a man in the back who's running away. Yeah, and he collapses in the street against his truck. It's awful. He dies instantly, according to the show. And then yeah, you see pretty- a photo of him dead against a car. Yeah, it's weird um, and sad. But for three years, Babe and her children struggled to clear a path to the opening of the mine. But when they were finally just yards from the entrance, the state of New Mexico was forced to give the land surrounding Victoria Peak to the United States government so that the army could expand the White Sands missile range. Babe and her family were forced off the claim by the army. The reenactment of Babe standing her ground is pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah, it's they were like, Something. they were like, ma'am, ma'am, this is a missile range. It's not safe for you to be here. And she's like, I don't care. I want my treasure. <laughs> I know. They try and help her into the car. She's like, I can do it myself. Yeah. And then they drive off. And the subtitles are literally just babe arguing with army. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Pretty funny. I mean, it sucks. It does suck. Yeah, it really does. I would does. be pissed too. Yep. Babe continued to petition the army and the Pentagon, but she was repeatedly denied. Doc and Babe's grandson claims that some personnel from the nearby Air Force base inadvertently stumbled into the mine and found stacks of gold bars. And then they literally interview the former airman who claims that they used hunting as an excuse to go out there and repeatedly go into the cavern where they found the gold bars. He says that the reason they didn't take any gold out was because, quote, we were military and we were in the middle of a top secret missile range where everyone was forbidden to be. So, but that seems reasonable. Yeah. He was like, we weren't supposed to be there. We were lying about hunting. So they like, could go look at these gold at bars. At the very best, like, I don't know, they would lose their jobs. Yeah. The army would probably take the gold. Right. So eventually they did tell their superiors about the gold, but they were denied permission to explore further. So they went out there and the following weekend and dynamited the entrance shut. A year later... If they can't have the gold. No one can. No one can. Right. So um, a year later, the Secretary of the Army created a top-secret military mission at Victoria Peak. In 1961, Babe Noss, along with the state of New Mexico, filed an injunction against the Army to stop them from excavating at Victoria Peak. In 1963, the Army sought exclusive rights to Victoria Peak, including mineral rights. The state of New Mexico denied the request, but an aerial photograph shows that many roads were created that crisscrossed the entire peak. So feds were on to you. Yeah. So now it gets a little bit crazy. Uh, um, word of Doc's hidden gold reached other treasure hunters. An anonymous group hired Boston attorney F. Lee Bailey. The F. Lee Bailey. The F. Lee Bailey, the defense attorney for O.J. Simpson and many other high profile. It's, case. A, it's a weird world. It is a weird world. This group was seeking permission from Attorney General John Mitchell to excavate Victoria Peak and to sell the gold bars. Then, the secret of the gold became public knowledge at the Watergate hearings when John Dean testified about the group's request. It's so bizarre. It's crazy. They show footage of the Watergate hearings where they're talking about this claim by F. Lee Bailey's uh, group, the group that he's representing. Yeah. That there's this gold out in the mountains. We're starting with a guy named Doc who's selling dubious <laughs> medicine. And we go all the way to goddamn Watergate. It's crazy. 
Uh, and then because of the publicity, the army finally allowed a group of private claimants, including Babe Noss, F. Lee Bailey's clients. Uh, the Air- Which, why do they? It's Babe's. Go away, other people. I know. The airmen who had allegedly discovered the gold, as well as representatives from the Apache Nation and the alleged heirs of Jesse James. Just to, just cause. I guess. Why were they there? <laughs> it makes know. no sense. It no was clue. like, just to make this more interesting, you claim you're related to Jesse James? Come look for gold. Come along. We're going to have a picnic. It's gonna. We're making a whole day of it. Well, they're making 10 days of it. They approved a 10-day expedition in 1977. The group was led by professional treasure hunter Norman Scott. They were determined once and for all to find out if treasure is hidden at Victoria Peak. Uh, they show a lot of footage from the expedition. There was a lot of media there. Uh, the army's like, oh, I guess if you can find some gold, you know. <laughs> uh, during the expedition, a scientist from the Stanford Research Institute conducted radar tests to determine if there is an underground chamber. He came to the conclusion that there was indeed a large cavern at the base of the mountain about where Doc Noss had said there would be. Uh, this was the last official attempt to find the treasure. It was unsuccessful. Doc Noss's heirs have never been able to recover any of the treasure. Tony Jolly claims that he went back into the desert and retrieved 10 of the bars that he helped Doc bury. Babe Noss sadly died in 1979. Every year, her heirs have petitioned the White Sands Missile Base to allow them to dig at Victoria Peak. Every year, it's been refused. The army finally agreed to allow them to dig, but said that because of a technicality, an act of Congress would be required. That doesn't make sense to me. Makes no sense. Robert Stack tells us that this year, a bill will be introduced by New Mexico congressmen, which may finally give the green light. He says that if successful, the bill would allow an excavation of Victoria Peak by the end of the year. And if that happens, unsolved mysteries will be there. And then he closes the segment with one of my favorite lines. He says, perhaps, just perhaps, we will find the greatest treasure the modern world has ever known. Perhaps. No, you're not. Because you know what I think happened? The government fucking took it. Yeah, I would say that this is not true, except... There's so many witnesses. There's a lot of witnesses, and I just don't think they would have kept filing all this paperwork and doing For all nothing, th- if it was just an elaborate hoax. Yeah, because they're not getting investments from other people. They're mm. not... They're just trying to dig in this mountain. Yeah. Like, even if a missile hits them, they're trying to dig in right. this mountain. So there has to be something There's there. so many witnesses. They're d- unconnected, different witnesses. They seem relatively credible. I... I realize this guy had this shady past and maybe was a con artist, but he could have also found this treasure. Yeah. And I just don't think they would have kept fighting to get access to it if there was nothing there. That doesn't make any sense. I also think, of course, so these army airmen go and they find the gold and then they tell their superiors yeah, about it. It's gone. And then the army is like, well, this you is ours now. You can't go back. You think they're going to leave $2 billion in the mountain? No. Yeah. The army went and took it, and that's why they approved this expedition, because they knew they weren't going to find anything. That's sad. What do you think happened to the crown? I don't know. Some army guy has it in his house? <laughs> his wife wears it every day. <laughs> <laughs> did you, they fought with those swords. You know oh, they for did. Sure. They brought back the swords and had like an epic <laughs> sword fight. Oh my god. This is definitely the most interesting treasure case we've had yet. I actually enjoyed it. Because and I actually think that it seems true. like there probably was a treasure. It kind of does, yeah. If anybody, this segment's long, y'all, but if anybody wants to know even more about it, there is a book called What Men Call <laughs> Treasure by Robert Boswell and David Schwadel. Is this the book that Mac owns? He, I don't think he owns it, but 
Robert Boswell is one of his professors. I've met him. That's how I'm aware of this book. Interesting. If you need even more treasure in your life, that yeah. exists. Am I going to read it? No, I'm not. But, well, you know. It exists. It does exist. Check your local library. Maybe Relic Podcast will do an episode about it. Yeah. Or maybe, they haven't already. Maybe they have. Maybe they have. I've listened to one or two episodes, not all of them. <laughs> so that was the treasure segment. Um, I don't have anything else to say about it. It was so very wait, long. Who was your mustache pick? Oh, that guy in the reenactment. The guy behind the counter. I oh, the, so the, funny. the like, claims and guy. And so sassy. There's another really good mustache in the last segment, too. Okay. Um, there was a few, a few winners in this one, but I really liked that guy. All right. I am the next segment. Segment? I'm the next segment. Whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, it's a missing person. Be prepared to cry and then briefly chuckle and then sob your eyes out. This is a, this is a sad one, folks. Yeah, get your, this one. Get your pets near. This is not great. Pat your children on the head, because this one's rough. Yep. This is the case of Carrie Lynn Nixon. Um, she lived in oh, Sable Forks, New York, and disappeared June 22nd, 1987. That night, she was 16 years old. She left her home to run an errand for her dad about 9.30 p.m. She went and bought groceries at the local store for $3. And wasn't it like... Like a two-minute walk or something? It was so it close was to her house. blocks away. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if I wrote down. I just wrote down a couple blocks. This is so. very much like the one from Las Vegas. I can't remember yeah. the victim's name, but where she just made this walk all the time. Yeah. Um, she's just like walking to the corner store. Her dad's yeah. like, go pick up some chips and cigarettes or whatever. She literally spends $3. She left at 9 55 She exchanged greetings with a neighbor at 10.05 on her walk home mm-hmm. five minutes later by 10 10 she's gone yeah vanished vanished five minutes later a group of teenagers walked down the street and carrie's not there so sometime in the 700 feet from her house between 505 and 510 she is snatched yeah it's awful for some reason these cases where the person is so close to home are more haunting to me Right, because this is your neighborhood. You want to feel safe there. Yeah. There's an there's a forensic files where a girl is literally her friend drops her off at her mailbox and she doesn't make it to the house. Uh, like she's at the end of the driveway. That's horrible. And she can see her house and is kidnapped from there. And just it ugh, that's gonna haunt me for the rest of my days. Anyway. So Carrie disappears seven hundred feet from her home. This is why people are, I mean, statistically, you're not likely to get snatched by a stranger, but this is why people are afraid of it, because it's, you want, I mean, you think you're safe in your neighborhood, in your block, what you can see your house, Yeah, you think you're safe. And, you know, this is also where Carrie Lynn's mom had grown up. Yeah. Like, you know. I don't know. It's so sad. I know. They speculate for a little bit about whether or not she had run away. One person in particular was, was pretty like, convinced. And I was like, fuck you, dude. Bitch, please. Yeah. And then someone else. The voice of reason. Is like, why would she go pick up the groceries for her dad and start bringing them home? And in then, like sweatpants. And then run away. With none of her possessions. With none of her possessions and none of the money that she had saved that they found in her room. Yeah. Without, Makes no sense. It's. It made me honestly angry that they would even... Consider it? Yeah, like, that her dad would be like, oh, can you go get this from the store? Sure. She actually goes and buys it. She's walking home, and then 700 feet from her house, it's just like... Ah, this is a good time to run away. I'm just going to leave with nothing except these chips. 
Makes no sense. Or whatever the hell she bought. She at least, he gave her $20 and she spent three of it. So yeah. they, it's not like she bought a ton of stuff. Yeah. She's going to go on the run with that bit of pocket change. Yeah. I 17 bucks. <sighs> no. Makes no sense. It made me really angry. Anyway, the next day, a massive search began for Carrie. Unfortunately, no trace was found. Authorities, her friend, her family and friends were torn about what happened to her. Some believe she was abducted to a stranger. Others believe she ran away. No, she absolutely did not. She did not run I away. I never for one second was like, oh, maybe she... What? The, the, the cop or... Per, I can't even remember. The person who was most in the she ran away camp was like oh she had told her friend that when she grew up she wanted to live in hawaii who doesn't tell yeah. her friend that i want to live in hawaii when i grow up hasn't everyone at some point been like wouldn't it be great to live in hawaii think about that versus the number of people who actually moved to hawaii also if you run away how the fuck you get into hawaii <laughs> swim you're gonna swim there what? as ah. a child yeah Anyway, she'd also made some interesting comments, claiming that she wanted to leave the area, possibly going to California, Florida, or Hawaii. Every kid yeah, has talked about how you would love to run away and live in I Hawaii. I would like to go live in a tropical paradise. And then yeah. the other friend goes, yeah, man, that'd be sweet. That's it. They, they, they don't run away. The next scene isn't that ru- them running away. Okay. I'm sorry I complain about this all the time, but it's very irritating me. Yes. Okay. In November 1987, the New York State Police received a letter from Flint, Michigan, claiming that she was in the, I don't know how to say that, Etowahville, South Carolina area. Her friend went to the area and put up several missing person posters. Later, Shirley Cannibal, that's probably not it, came forward, claiming that she had encountered Carrie during the summer of 1987 under hypnosis. She, she claimed to being rem- remembered being introduced to a girl who called herself Carrie Nixon. She claimed that she was from New York. When this what this witness does seem credible when she's talking about it, she's like, because she had, worked with runaways. Yeah, right? she had volunteered in a for an organization that helped runaways. She said the way that she was evasive to questions reminded her of that. But, but she remembered all of this under hypnotic regression. I think she probably talked to someone. someone else. She talked to someone else. Yeah, there's there's other girls named Carrie. Right. Like she talked to someone else like that named Carrie who was acting like that and under hypnosis she oh it was Carrie. It was she's Lynn like Nixon. combining two. She sees the flyer for a girl. It reminds her of this girl that she very briefly spoke to and now she's conflated these two stories. And under hypnotic regression they can create new memories. Yeah. I mean, so. I think that she meant well and I think she was trying to help. I just she was she was wrong. She, yeah. So, um now we get into a weird, briefly hilarious moment. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, there, so it is weird. There's like 70 sightings of Carrie all over the place. Mm-hmm. None of them amount to anything. Well, they keep saying that she had this poofy hair and she wore earrings. Like every girl her age at this time. Yeah, it's, they're acting like the fact that she had multiple ear piercings, two on her left, four on her right is remarkable. Guess what? It's not. So many people have that. And that was very fashionable at the time. And yeah. I don't, I mean, that that is a distinctive marker, but it's not like she had a tattoo of a tiger on her forehead. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's not that, it's not that distinctive. Right. I was thinking the other day, like, everybody's welcome. You're welcome that I got tattoos on my feet. Like, it'll make my body so much easier to, to identify. identify. That's a public service. But your murderer is going to know, and they're probably just going to chop your feet off. Oh, yeah. 
Well, you'll solve my murder anyway. So I'm you not need working. to get a tattoo on every part of your body. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so a public course, service. I mean, of course I'll solve your murder, but I'm just saying. To, ha- to help people identify your corpse, don't you think? Yeah, getting tattoos. Yeah. For sure. So people should get tattoos just to, because there's a lot. I hate to be even more of a downer. There's a lot of unidentified bodies out there. Yeah. A startling depressing number of people who have not been claimed because of missing dental records and just lack of resources and yeah. blah, 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 bodies that are barely decomposed and yeah. all sorts of complicating factors. But if you get a tattoo of a witch on your foot, yeah, it's going to help. And like um, the science for identifying, like, is this leg bone a male or a female they did i just saw an article on facebook about amelia Earhart. yeah being like 99 percent sure that we've identified her or whatever and like the first person that found the bones was like certain this was a man yeah and turns out like looking back on it that was not true and it's probably a woman of her size so there's people there's bodies out there that have been you know misidentified misidentified and Sometimes it's just like clerical errors, like people are putting in the wrong height or whatever, so it's not getting matched up because you're like, oh, but actually they had green eyes. It's like, well, that's actually like miswritten down. Yeah. Whatever you call that. Miswritten down, sure. Miswritten down. Yeah. An error has been made. There you go. Anyway, I am interrupting what is the most notable part of this Oh my God, yeah, we have to get to this. It's very memorable and bizarre. So there's all these sightings of Carrie her parents are desperately searching for her and then come the new kids on the block (laughs) what did you is that what you expected me to say is that what we expected Robert Stack to say is that what anyone saw coming ever no did you think today I was going to talk about Jordan Knight well I am (laughs) oh yes so a, a concert tape came out of a beautiful VHS, I'm sure. A collector's <laughs> item. I hope you all have it. Of a New Kids on the Block concert. And her parents saw this, or someone pointed out to them, that a girl in the audience looked like Carrie. She did look like Carrie, I will say that. There's but a, it's also really blurry. It's, I mean, it's a fucking VHS. The The quality of, a dark of it concert. is not great. It is grainy. I would like to think that Carrie would not wear that stupid baseball hat. <laughs> just like prompt on her perm like it might fall off any second i think i assume it was being held there by hairspray or yeah like a a hat pin like an old lady (laughs) i yeah anyway she's on someone's shoulders it kind of looks like that's why you can see her because she's a little bit above the rest of the crowd i don't know if she's just a little bit tall there's also like a grown man okay pretty much this whole audience as you would expect is like preteen girls sure of course because they were the in sync or one direction of their time yeah but then there's, like, a grown man in a suit jacket, like, partying in front of her. And for a second, I was like, oh, my God, is that the kidnapper? And he took her to a new Kids on the Block concert? No, that's not what happened. Turns out later. But there is an appeal from two members of the new Kids on the Block saying, Carrie, if this is you, call home. Your parents just want to know you're alive. the weirdest appeal, too, because they're, like, kind of acting a little, like, sexy with their pouty lips. And- I think they don't know how to talk. <laughs> any other way they're so used to like trying to convince an 11 year old that they care about them which think about how creepy that is yeah that they're like hey carrie uh your parents are like super worried about you so how about you you pick up a phone 
your friends at the New Kids of the Block would think that was totally gnarly. <laughs> and it's just like, what? What is happening? I mean, you're too it's, you're you're too young. Here's the thing, Samantha. I try not to always harp on you know what? her her shining beautiful youth, mm. but she doesn't remember the New Kids on the Block heyday when they had fucking comics and trading cards. Your husband and, apparently had a doll. Shut. <laughs> Do you want he me did. to say that on he the had, podcast? Yeah, Donnie. Oops. Uh, sorry, Mac. Yeah, they had dolls that were like Ken dolls of. I'm no, I'm sorry. They were like GI Joes. Of <laughs> uh, new kids on the block. I didn't experience the new kid on, kids on the block craze, but I did experience the Backstreet Boys in sync, which was the same thing. It's the same. I mean, thing. It happens every like you except know, that the new kids generation. on the block had rat tails. I mean, yeah. I was in some sort of art summer art camp where we did a learned a choreographed dance to step by step. <laughs> so not that I still remember that, but I wish you did. We could film that's that for my, Instagram. That's my new kids on the block memory. I also remember being in the cafeteria and a kid asking me if I liked new kids on the block, and I was pretty devoted to Bonnie Tyler, Total Eclipse of the Heart. So I was like, oh, no, not not really. And then they were like, oh, so MC Hammer, because those apparently were your only two options. <laughs> it was it was like the second grade so i mean yeah uh and then i pretended to like them because i really wanted to impress my friend katie i mean i don't think she's listening to this but katie that was all for you (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) anyway so they make this appeal gary i really like your i'm just gonna block your jordan knight impression is hilarious (laughs) i just love that there's an episode, there's an early episode of The Simpsons, the only type of episodes of The Simpsons that matter, where Lisa is obsessed with, like, a teen heartthrob named Corey, and he calls, she keeps calling the Corey hotline, and he's like, here's some words that rhyme with Corey. <laughs> Story. <laughs> allegory. Anyway. So, yes, Jordan and Jonathan Knight both made personal appeals in their... In, like, a fucking locker room or something? Yeah. Where were they? I, I'm guessing it was, like, backstage in their yeah, maybe. green room or where they would... Ch- it did look like a locker room. <laughs> it, where are these people? From the, from the set of Mighty Ducks, here is Jordan and Jonathan Knight, which I didn't remember there was a Jonathan Knight. Sorry. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't really break out. Um, okay. But, so you have this weird moment... <laughs> And you get a good laugh going, oh, yeah, the new kid's on the block. And then you're slammed back to reality by the Oh, my God, does it get terrible. So the girl from the video came forward and identified herself. It does kind of look like Carrie, but it was not Carrie. It was a teenager from Washington, D.C. Then, on January 28, 1994, almost seven years after Carrie vanished, her body was unearthed in a shallow grave only miles from her home. Robert Anthony Jones confessed to her kidnapping, rape, and murder. He had been previously arrested for numerous bank robberies. He confessed to the murder in an effort to get his wife, Teresa, a lighter sentence for driving the getaway car from a local bank heist with their two children inside. Oh, my God. So I think she also had some child endangerment charges, and he was trying to make a plea deal to help her out. Um, He kidnapped Carrie at gunpoint. This literally, as she was walking home with her fucking groceries, 700 feet from her house, he literally just drove by, saw her, and kidnapped her. This is terrifying, because it could be anyone. It could have been any of us. Absolutely. Because he literally just saw her and took the opportunity. Totally randomly. He didn't watch her. her. Yeah. He just happened to see her at this one moment that he decided he was going to kidnap a kid. Mm. It's, it's, 
It's the worst possible scenario. He kidnapped her at gunpoint. He drove her to his parents' camp where he raped, strangled, and shot her. He buried her on the remote property the following morning. At this time, he was 23 years old and living in Bar Harbor, Maine with his family. He had returned to his hometown for a week lock and visit when he abducted Carrie, who he spotted while he was buying beer at the local store. He returned to the uh, Sable Forks area where he settled with his family only 200 yards from where he had buried Carrie. Under the negotiated plea, he secured an 18-year-to-life sentence for the robberies and her murder. He is now an inmate in Sing Sing Prison, and his first parole hearing was in 2011. Uh, I couldn't find an update plus 2016, but as of then, he was still in prison. He claimed... Okay. If you want to hear some, like, toxic masculinity nonsense, here we go. He claimed that he abducted her because of marital difficulties. Oh, yeah. You know when you have a fight with your husband or wife and you have to go kidnap and murder someone? You know whose fault it is that he he murdered a teenager? His nagging wife. His nagging wife. I bet she cackled like a hen. (laughs) Fault. Oh, it's because his wife cheated on him. What a fucking asshole. And that he committed the robbery in order to get caught. What? What? Okay. He's a fucking liar. Yeah. Sadly, Carrie's brother died after a long battle with ALS, um, but he had named his daughter Carrie Lynn Nixon in her honor. I'm going to cry. That's so sad. Yeah. That's terrible. It's a terrible case. It's brutal. I mean, you get a little respite with the new kids in the block. I just wish it could have been in a, I don't know, a happier circumstance somehow. I know. But... Personally, if I was a parent and I found out that my kid had just run away and was, like, going to New Kids on the Block concerts, I would be pretty pissed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, that is a better fate than she was, like, raped and murdered and buried because at least she's, like, alive and well. But also, you must be like, what the hell, Carrie? We had a good thing. <laughs> Why did you run away to go to... And where are you getting the money to go to these New Kids yeah. concerts? What the hell is going on? Uh, but instead, yeah. it's the, like, worst the possible worst outcome, outcome, which makes me ever. go... Oh, I'm not going to have children. Yeah. Well, because Jesus Christ. I know. Uh, Our hearts really go out to Carrie. That is really fucking awful. Obviously, that guy is a garbage human being. Just look at this mugshot. Look at his smug oh, face. What a fucker. I know. I hate him. He's the he worst. has a very punchable face. <laughs> that, yes, that's the description. He, just like, I was, I was just telling my mother-in-law, she loves... I don't want to say she loves The Bachelor and The Bachelor, but she watches it. And that guy has a punchable face. The oh, Bachelor, the, the current Bachelor. Yeah, the one who like dumped that girl on live oh, TV. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. She was from Minnesota. Oh, she definitely deserves better. So she's gonna look up back on this and be relieved. Yeah, punchable face. Yeah, smug. She probably just got caught up in the whole thing. And I'm sure. She'll yeah. I mean, you go on The Bachelor with the intention of winning, I assume. But I I have no idea why you would do that. I have no clue either. <laughs> I did see. I don't know if this happened recently, but there was like a woman that went missing, and like yes! it, tur- it turns out she was on The Bachelor. But you're you're not supposed to tell people you're going on the show, so it's like a yeah. surprise or something. She told her mom that she went to work on a marijuana farm or something. Yeah, and then her mom was like, "Oh my god, why can't I get a hold of her?" And reported her missing, of course, right? And then people saw her and was like, "Hey, is that the missing uh, girl? She's fucking on The Bachelor. That's where <laughs> she is." So, I mean, I guess. That there's one case where we didn't need to look for a missing person. Yeah. She was on The Bachelor. On The Bachelor. Maybe finding love. If you're going on a reality show and you can't tell people, 
maybe there's like a way to alert the authorities or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like if someone reports me missing, I'm on the bachelor. Yeah, don't. My mom's probably gonna call you like every day, so be prepared. I told her I'm working on a marijuana farm. Just say that that's it. Yeah, ma'am. Do you know where marijuana is legal? No, no, no. Just I'm not really working on a marijuana farm. Yeah, I'm on the bachelor. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> where did we get? A- <laughs> this next case is kind of sad too. It's sad and a little bit boring. Yeah, a little bit boring. I'm sorry to say that. That's disrespectful. This is an unexplained death. I pre- I blame the production of this segment for making it kind of dull. It was a little bit dull. In November 1985, Dexter Stefanik was about to leave his son's farm near Corbett, Oregon, for a long road trip. Dexter was a 67-year-old widower Doesn't from that Wisconsin. Name fake. Dexter Stefanik. Yeah, that's a fake. It's a fake name. sounding name. He had come to stay with his son for a few months earlier after his wife Vivian died. But according to Dexter's son, David... Which makes this so much sadder. I know. Here he is, like, mourning. He needs the support of his son. And then... Something bad happens. unsolved mysteries-ish things happen. And that's terrible. You never want unsolved mysteries-ish things to happen (laughs) No. Unless it's finding a magic rock. Or a treasure, I guess. Yeah. But, so, David says that at... As the first anniversary of Vivian's death approached, Dexter was ready to go back home. He says he came out and we thought that he'd probably spend the winter with us. And then it got to be a difficult time of year for him. And I tried to convince him not to leave. Winter had already sent set in. There's really nothing he needed to go back to Wisconsin for. But that's the last that I saw him. So Dexter left his son's home early on Monday, November 18, 1985. He told his son that to save time, he would pull into rest areas when he got tired instead of looking for motels. Oh, boy. This is very weird because it just sounds like he had nothing to go back to. So he the fact that he was in such a rush. Some space. He was I not dealing with his, de- his wife's death well. Yeah. I just don't understand why you would be in such a rush. Like... Yeah. Take your time. I guess maybe he wanted to get back to his own house, maybe, yeah. and just be in his own space. Um, I can see that. On Tuesday morning, local sheriff Jim George was alerted to a car on fire at the Bad Route Rest Area in Montana. That is not a great name no. for a rest stop. The Don't. Bad Route Rest Area. If you're in Nothing charge Nothing good of, happens there. If you're in charge of naming rest stops, any of our listeners. That's a job. Don't name it that. <laughs> Maybe the good route? I don't know. Yeah. Anything is better than that. Place where you will not get murdered. That would be a great name for a rest stop. I would pull off there. I would not pull off the bad route rest area in Montana. That's where I get murdered. So, uh, Sheriff uh, Jim says that when I arrived at the rest area and pulled in behind the vehicle, the inside was completely engulfed in flames. I went over and talked to the state highway department. They informed me that they didn't see any person inside the vehicle. The car belonged to Dexter Stefanik. A little over a day had passed since he left Oregon. The sheriff's department immediately searched the area. There was no trace of Dexter and no obvious signs of foul play. Sheriff Jim George brought in an arson expert to examine the car. Who was the guy with the the mustache in this one? I can't remember. He had the mustache that looked like a small dead animal on his face. (laughs) I think it was Sheriff Jim. I'm not sure because Jim. Because when they interviewed this guy, he was wearing plain clothes. He was like wearing a like a black long sleeve shirt. So I'm not sure who he was. I just remember that he has a very bushy mustache. Looks like a dead animal. It does. It looks like a small like mouse maybe under his nose. 
that I feel like the outfits in these reenactments are super fucking accurate to what people actually yes, wear. Yes. Like things don't match. It's just like one guy just is wearing flannel like, and denim, like a Superman knit cap, <laughs> and people have like bright orange gloves. It's just like real clothes. middle America. Yep. 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 <laughs> yes, it was. Also, who was it? The reenactment of Dexter who had the really long mustache, or was that someone else? Because there was a guy that had, like, a super long mustache that, like, draped over the side of his face. Okay. I think that might be my pick. For MBM? Which was... Which was Carrie's dad, Gary Nixon. Oh. He had a very long mustache. There was also a guy in this segment that had a long mustache. I think it was an actor, though, but I don't quite recall. There's also Cindy Shaw, you'll get to at one point, who, like, finds some things. And she's wearing the cutest hat. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) So this uh, Sheriff George also noticed that the driver's seat was pushed back all the way. Dexter Stefanik, being a short man, according to Sheriff Sheriff George, uh, would have had the seat all the way up to the front to drive it. So it had to be a larger man driving the vehicle, six foot or larger. Okay. I guess Dexter was super short. I don't know. They show a picture of him. He doesn't look that short. I mean, he's like a little man. I mean, I have to have my seat like all the way up and I'm... Like I do too. Five six. So maybe uh-huh. he was my height. Anyway, with no other clues, Sheriff George needed witnesses and a timeline. The car was discovered just after ten AM, nearly two out nearly two hours earlier. Fred Siegel, custodian of the Bad Route Rest Area, had arrived for work as usual. He says, I go to the rest area between 8 and 8.30. There was a pickup parked there, but there was no one around it. I really didn't pay much attention to it. About 15 minutes later, Clyde Mitchell, a highway maintenance supervisor, I think this is the guy with the mustache, stopped to the rest area. Fred's pickup was there and a white Chevy pickup facing southeast. I saw Arizona plates on the back. I walked around the complete outfit and noticed it was a four-wheel drive Chevy with blue trim and a cow catcher on the front. At the time, I didn't think there was anything suspicious about it. Soon after, Clyde Mitchell left to complete his regular rounds. Fifteen minutes later, Fred Siegel saw Dexter Stefanik's brown Plymouth Horizon pull in. According to Fred, the driver got out carrying two large plastic containers. He was around six feet tall, between 35 and 40 years old, and a real light skin. No sign of anything wrong with him. And had real light skin, I guess. Fred left the rest stop. Within 30 minutes, Dexter's car was ablaze. The case went nowhere for nearly four months. Then local residents Bill and Cindy Shaw made a routine run to a landfill, 17 miles from the rest area. Little did Cindy know that she and Bill were stepping into a crime scene. (laughs) My husband and I came out to the dump uh, to dispose of some garbage, and there was a wallet laying on the ground, and it still had the driver's license on it. It was current. So I handed it to Bill, and he just started looking around, and there was a bunch of stuff in the dump that didn't belong there, that hadn't been there when we were there before. And we, we are often crawling around this dump. Apparently, they made several trips. And we kind of tried to see if there was anything else that didn't quite belong in the dump. Bill wasn't prepared for what he found, however, when he picked up a boot, a man's foot, partially hidden beneath a mattress, popped out. The ID of the body came, and as no surprise, it was Dexter Stefanik. He had been beaten and shot twice in the head. This scene has a real, like, Fargo vibe. Yes, it does. They're, like, out. It's very snowy. In the snow. They're wearing... Everyone's wearing flannel. Yeah, they're wearing their very Midwest outfits. Cindy's got her cute hat on and they're just like 
going through this junk finding evidence and then a dead body yeah so there were marks on his hands there was damage done to his neck and throat area and he had a bruise or damaged area on the front part of his skull that was probably caused by a beating or some type of injury of that sort an old man i don't know some of the evidence didn't quite add up there was still money in dexter's suitcase making robbery an unlikely motive also dexter's clothing was found scattered around the area but it was in good condition as it had just only recently been discarded. But according to the coroner, Dexter's body seemed to have been in the landfill for months. The condition of the body would indicate that it had probably been in the dump site from the time that the car was found burning until the time it was discovered, according to the coroner. Hmm. One week week later, the authorities found a final clue in the men's room at the Bad Route Rest Area. A small line of graffiti written in pencil. It began with the words, Hot Jock. Police had not been... You know how when you're in a bathroom and you see the words hot jock written... And you think it means that someone has been murdered? You just, you're like, oh, this is evidence and I should take it very seriously. <laughs> it's definitely not lewd bathroom graffiti. Also, yeah. if and I want to have stop. a good time, I should call this number. That's legit. <laughs> Yeah, so the police didn't release the whole message, but believe it may be linked to Dester Stefanik's murder. Coroner... I can't roll my eyes more at that. Coroner Saya, I don't remember how to say this person's name, believe that the killer wrote it there for the police to find. Why? I know. Why? The coroner says, my own theory is that someone wanted us to see it. Hot jock could be a CB handle. It referred to shot. It had Wisconsin in the graffiti and a date indicating November. Or it was just some, yeah, lewd bathroom graffiti. I... I don't know. I'm so over that. (laughs) I know. Why would anyone take that seriously? I have no idea. So police have only two clues that might identify Dexter Stefanik's killer. The description of the suspect's vehicle and the sketchy description of the suspect himself. The vehicle was a white Chevy 4x4 with a wide blue horizontal stripe. It had a white camper shell... And a cattle guard on the front bumper. It also had Arizona plates with the Phoenix license plate holder. The suspect is middle-aged, at least six feet tall, light complexion, and clean-shaven. He may use the nickname or CB handle, Hot Jock. That's right, everyone. Be on the lookout for Hot Jock. He could be anywhere. I don't know. Probably. There's no update. I mean, check grinder. (laughs) Maybe he's on there. He's out there somewhere. Hot jock. Will we ever find him? Yeah. So that was the end of that segment. It's kind of sad. (sighs) On unsolved.com, there's a lot of speculation in the comments about like the police being involved. I don't really understand why people think that. Um, Some people are speculating that he killed himself, which I don't know why he would beat himself before shooting himself. He beat himself and then hit himself under a mattress. Yeah. So that doesn't. I don't know. Not that there's... That is a... That's talent. That's... Yeah, that's a bad theory. So if you want to speculate about <laughs> this case... some really bad theories on Unsolved.com. Yeah. Man, oh man. Some um, people were speculating that he walked in on some sort of lewd activity between two men that they didn't want anyone to know about, and then he murdered them for some reason. People are just making shit up. No one knows what happened to I, Dexter. It seems like a, a very poorly done robbery. It me. is true that he was in a bad place mentally, but... There's no evidence that he killed himself. He was How beaten. How would he beat himself and in then the face? hide his own body in a dump? Yeah. Fight club style. <laughs> I then hide it himself makes... under a mattress. Or someone like found his body after he beat him beat and shot himself and was like, Well, I don't want to report this to the police. Better just take him to the dump. <laughs> 
yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So it does seem that he was murdered. Yeah, and why would he set his own car on fire? That makes no sense. He killed himself. Then his ghost set the car on fire. <laughs> yeah. Then he moved his own body under... <laughs> it makes no sense. And then he wrote the graffiti in the bathroom. Yeah, then he did that. So I'm guessing this... I realize there's still money in the suitcase, but... Sometimes people committing crimes aren't good at crimes. Yeah. So I'm true. I think this is a robbery gone bad. Probably. Yeah. Maybe someone pulled up and they ran away before they were able to complete it. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I. It seems clearly just a murder. Maybe they didn't see the money in the suitcase because they're dumb. I don't know. <coughs> this seems like an incredibly senseless crime and it's very tragic and awful. Unfortunately, the segment is just like a lot of people peering into cars. <laughs> Yeah. At one point, they speculated that, like, his attacker, because he couldn't hear, that he was sitting in his car and his attacker came up and was, like, trying to get directions from him. And because he wasn't responding, then the person was like, all right, I'm going to kill him now. Yeah. That made no sense. That's, I've I've found that in my own life, that. (laughs) When you can't give directions to someone, they decide to kill you? Yeah. <laughs> or if people just don't hear me because, like, I don't know, it's loud, or suddenly you're filled with maybe rage. I'm, I'm speaking a language that they don't, they're not fluent in, or you know, there's a lot of reasons that I am, <laughs> yeah, I get into a murderous rage where <laughs> I think the only proper response is to kill this person, is to beat the elderly. <laughs> but okay, we've all felt that, but, but <laughs> then I don't do it, but it's only because of the law. <laughs> the only thing holding me back. That no, that's that's a dumbass theory. That's really dumb. They did do a reenactment of it, which was dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sure was. Not my favorite and not, segment. I feel like not super. I don't know. That's just not what happened. They're trying to like make a little bit more out of this, I think, than there is there. Yeah, I think so. I may. I am sad for Dexter and his family. It is a boring segment, though. Uh, should we rate this? Yeah, Hmm, I haven't really thought about this. Okay, so mysteriousness. Mysteriousness. I think the treasure segment. Mysterious. I would say pretty mysterious. It's kind of mysterious because there really might have been a treasure. And where's that crown? And why isn't it on my head? (laughs) It's the real mystery. (laughs) Why don't I have any pigeon blood rubies? I deserve them. Yeah. For some reason. Yep, you do. And swords. Sure. And what happened to Carrie? I mean, that was mysterious at the time. Yeah, that's that is mysterious. And there's a great. Well, I guess this is more for the reenactments. But I feel like the shot of her walking home is really great. It's really yeah. It's super spooky. They are kind of like elevated above the actress playing. Her. I don't know. It's just really well done. I'm a thumbs up for mysteriousness. And yeah. Yeah. I think I'm a thumbs up also for reenactments because the treasure ones were pretty good. I think the reenactments are good. There is a part. Matt pointed out to me how fucked up this is. There's a reenactment of like. Carrie's parents going bowling and having a nice time, which means they had to like go pretend with some actress. That was oh, I hate that. That is like pretending to be their daughter. Like, hey, bowling's great. Like, uh, so I kind of wish they hadn't put that in there. That's really messed up. But it, but it was convincing. I mean, it was. Yeah, I'm a thumbs up for reenactments for sure. Fashion, not bad. Yeah, not bad. I I like the Midwestness of our last segment. Yep. Babe's got some real style oh, in the yeah. treasure segment. Uh, you get to see the new kids on the block. So obviously, <laughs> fashion icons right there. Big hair also. There's a lot yeah. Of big hair. So um, I'm a, a thumbs up. A cautious thumbs up. Yeah. And Robert Stack. How did you feel about his felt like trench jacket? I mean. Okay, I wrote down for the third mystery, casual look for stack. I do not approve. 
<laughs> you don't want him to be a little more casual? Uh, I don't. I kind of like when he's really dressed to the nines. But yeah, yeah. you got the pea coat, you get a turtleneck. Yeah, you, you, get, you get the Alcatraz outfit. You get this alternate casual look, yeah. even if I didn't approve. So <laughs> I'm, I would say thumbs up. Thumbs and up. you get to see him in a motherfucking cave, which clearly, as I wrote down, equals good outfit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Makes That's math for you. <laughs> Robert Stack plus cave equals good outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. I get uh, math. Oh, so overall rating, I said a 4.5 out of 5 Robert's decks. Oh. I gave it a pretty high. With the half of it being treasure? With a treasure. Maybe I'm more like a 4, but I actually I'm really. i a 4. I really actually kind of like the treasure segment. I, I wish I didn't have that segment, so I could have just like sat back and enjoyed it. Right. You gotta, yeah. It took me like two mm-hmm. days to take notes on that goddamn segment. But I actually kind of thought that the treasure was real. And the whole like twist at the end with Watergate and F. Lee Bailey. crazy places. Was not what I was expecting. You got some real characters. And I, I liked having a New Mexico mystery that was not about Billy the Kid. I also thought that um, Robert Stack had some very poetic one-liners. That's true. Uh, as you get to caves. You yeah, get to see skeletons. As sad as the Carrie uh, Lynn Nichols miss, or Nixon. So sad. As the Carrie Nixon yeah. murder case was. Uh, it was it was well done, but and it, it was have, mysterious. Plus, it has new kids in the block as a little. Extra it has flavor. new kids in the block thrown in there. You get just to hear little... Robert Stack say "new kids in the block," which is hilarious. Yeah, the, he the... has to act like that's like a serious thing. I know. The like, last obviously one... you've seen this concert VHS. I think we all have. Here's a young girl partying with an old man at a <laughs> New Kids on the Block concert. The last one, although it was boring, I really like the outfits, like you said. So I'm like a four out of five rubber sticks. Oh, we have a four. One. Yeah. It's a good way to round out the season. I, I feel would like say. there's no unnecessary updates. So the time is used well, mm-hmm. even though it's a lot of treasure. Yeah. But at least there's a lot going on with the treasure segment, and it's not just old men wandering around (laughs) and it's there's not a lot of like desert shot filler yes this actually has like a story with a lot to it yep i agree that's it tongue pop last (laughs) that'll be a great sound people love mouth noises on podcasts (laughs) (laughs) cutting that out unsubscribe now so recommendations final recommendation for season season one. Oh, now you're putting a lot of pressure on it i'm excited to do a recommendation because we haven't had one for a couple of weeks that's and true i miss telling people what to do that's true and i have hardly anything to recommend so you go first <laughs> okay uh we like snail mail here at perhaps it's you if Hell you to the yes give us any kind of patreon contribution we send you a little postcard to let you know we appreciate it uh-huh. because when people will give you like a shout out on twitter let's all admit that's bogus and it's who- bogus and kind of cringy i don't love it and who cares yeah right? I, but a personalized postcard in the mail who gets mail that they're excited about anymore unless it's from amazon yeah which so. is where my recommendation comes from amazon no oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what yes guys inside scoop you may not have heard of this website what? They are actually the people that are providing Unsolved Mysteries that you're watching. But <laughs> you've never heard of it. You've never heard of Amazon, but they rule everything. They sell these devices that cackle and... You can get two-day shipping. They have this service where a guy, like, breaks into your house to give you your stuff now. <laughs> it's all super weird. They take a photo of your package sitting on your door. I saw that the other day. That was weird. I just made a terrified face. Yep. No. No. My recommendation is not our evil overlords my recommendation is a a website called post crossing if you would like to get more snail mail 
Post Crossing is like a postcard exchange website that you register for. You can select only international or you can also have domestic. But then you get a random person to send a postcard to and then people will be randomly assigned you. So you can get postcards from all over the world. It's really cool. Um, It's often people who, I think it's all pretty much done in English. So it's often people who are practicing writing English. Mm -hmm. So people will send you a little postcard sort of telling you about their hobbies and like where they live and what they like about their town or whatever. I did it for a while when I, I haven't done it recently, but I did it for a while when I had a desk job just because it was like a little something (laughs) extra for your day. It's kind of nice to come home and to a postcard in your mailbox of just some random person in Siberia wishing you well. That's cool. And um, I would go to like antique stores and pick out old postcards from like different things in the U.S. that I thought either were cool or people might be interested in and send those out and people really appreciated it. I think I had more fun picking out the postcards, honestly. And then people would send me one and I'd be like, this postcard's not cool. The one I sent out (laughs) was way better. But if you want some more snail mail and to sort of interact with the wider world, Post crossing. That's super cool. I should tell Travis about that. He loves doing Reddit gift exchanges. Oh, yeah. I've done one. I did a nail polish one, too. It was just kind of a lot of work. He loves doing it, and he particularly loves exchanging, or I don't think you always get, like, you don't get the person you send something to, but he loves doing the international ones, so you can get, like, international snacks you you can't get in the U.S. or, like, whatever, but postcards would be a lot easier. Yeah. And you don't, you're not, you're probably not going to get the same person you're sending it to either. It's just kind of like randomly. um, Assigned. Yeah. Whoever. And it it keeps track of, you have to like say what you're sending out. So it won't. Holds you accountable. Yeah. So you, it's not like you could get a bunch of postcards and not send any to anyone. Yeah. Um, It has all that tracking in there and. Cool. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of fun. And maybe if you have kids that you're teaching about geography, that would be kind of cool too. Yeah. I remember doing pen pals in school. It was fun. I loved it. Yeah. So. Yeah, very cool. So I struggled to come up with a recommendation this week, mainly because I've done nothing but work and sleep and plan a house. That can be your recommendation. For the last three your weeks. Your recommendation can be when you're really busy, just just sleep Do and nothing. make succulents out of felt and that's it. I mean, that is, has been what I've been doing and I really enjoy it. I'm going to recommend a sheet mask company. Oh. Because I felt like this week I really needed some just alone me time, burning calories in the bath, wearing a sheet mask. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the first things Samantha and I bonded over. Sheet masks. It's that we both were getting addicted to sheet masks as the world <laughs> crumbled around us. Pretty much. I have more sheet masks than I could ever wear in my life. Yeah, me too. And I mean, will I, I buy more? Yes. When I first started getting into Korean skincare, and I'm not like super into it, but when I first started buying Korean skincare products, um, I was like 10 steps and you have to you do a sheet mask? Like who does this every day? Now I have like a thousand sheet masks. <laughs> it, I love them. It's fun. They're really fun. I will say that what I'm about to recommend is a more high end brand. If you've okay. never done a sheet mask before, I would recommend going like to your local Marshalls and buying a box of them because you can get a box of sheet masks at Marshalls for like four dollars yeah what and then usually... you get like six sheet masks they're like less than a dollar each yeah I that's a speech but I don't really like spending more than a dollar because you're just gonna throw it away but if you want to indulge yeah and treat what yourself should you should get leaders sheet masks it's a Korean oh. company um I would not recommend spending full price because you can get them on sale oftentimes. Well, I don't really recommend spending full price on anything, anything really. Ever. If you spend, 
if you buy them at full price, they're about $5 a mask, which you okay. can get like five at Marshall's for that. But they're so luxurious. Oh. They're so good. They're what I use if I feel like really treating myself. Because what I'll usually do is on Black Friday, they do or Cyber Monday, one of the two, I can't remember, they usually do 50% off their whole store. Okay. And I'll stock up. You can buy them in packs. So you get even a little yeah. bit cheaper. I absolutely love them. You can sometimes they're on Outlook also. Okay. So I will stock Outlook if I'm running low and wait for them to be on there, and then I'll buy a whole bunch because then they're about the same, about half price, which is still a little more expensive. But sometimes yeah, you like yeah. to just indulge. You're worth it. I love them because also if you have really sensitive skin, because some sheet masks, especially cheaper ones, have a lot of alcohol in them, and it can irritate yeah. some some skin. I've had which bad reactions. Kind of defoliates the point of Korean skincare, right? And I've had bad reactions to some. Um, not super bad, but you don't want to use a sheet mask and then get a rash. That's not really the point. Um, so these... <laughs> these that would be terrible. I know. These ones, I just, I love them. They have like a blueberry ones and tomato and like... My favorite is their... Um, they have like this calming coconut one that Ew. smells really good. And you know that they're luxurious because they're like double wrapped. So you have to like peel off one side and then you peel off the other side. Uh. And I absolutely, and pro tip for sheet masks, I just discovered this. Before you open the package, run it under hot water. It'll warm up the mask. Oh, see, sometimes I put them in the fridge. Oh, I don't like that. The, the worst part about putting on a sheet mask for me is that they're cold when you put them on your skin. And I don't like that. I know it like reduces puffiness or whatever, but I don't like that. Huh. So okay. I recently started running them under hot water in the sink before <laughs> I put them on my face. And it's like a warm towel of like luxurious moisture. Okay. okay. And then you just sit in a bath. And guess what, guys? You're burning 30 calories just sitting That's there. That's your workout. Yeah. Light a candle. I mean, will you drink a glass of wine while you're sitting there and just, you know, cancel it all out? Yes. No, but it's still better to do it. Yeah. It's fine. You get the antioxidants for the wine. You still get your exercise. If you have a dog like Lenny Briscoe, he will repeatedly come in the bathroom and bark at you because he doesn't <laughs> like water and it'll sort of ruin the whole experience. But that's okay. You know what? At least you're trying. If you're going to Marshall's to get your sheet masks, I'm going to say La Creme Shop. Yes, those ones are really good. That's my favorite. Is that the one that makes the collagen mask in the blue package? I don't know. They make a bunch of different ones. I think it is. They're cream something. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think that's the one. Their blue collagen mask is really good. Also, they have an aloe vera one that's really good. I've had great success with those. I usually go for the moisturizing. They're, cheap. they're not cheap online, but they're cheap at Marshall's. Yeah, so. you, a box of them is like less than a dollar a mask. So yeah. definitely go that route if you've never used a sheet mask before. And then if you want to treat yourself, Leaders is my fave. There Look for go. them on Outlook. Yeah. People That's have it. been waiting, waiting for our recommendations these past three weeks. I can't believe weeks. it's taken us an entire season to recommend a sheet mask, but That's here we true. are. I think even when I proposed, like, oh, we could do recommendations, like books or, or sheet, sheet masks. <laughs> You know, things we care about. Yeah, exactly. Is that the end? This That's is the, the end of season one. I can't believe it. Wait, where's Lenny? Lenny. He went upstairs. I oh, I was going to make him howl. Okay. Oh, well, next time. End of season one. We're so we're so glad you've been on this mystery solving journey with us. Yes. Maybe, maybe next season is when we solve a mystery. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So maybe let- you've been on a plane talking to the person next to you and they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of that podcast and I've been meaning to listen. Part of me I doesn't even believe that happened. my mind. So part of me doesn't even believe that happened. But apparently so it has. Crazy. People's moms are listening to this shit. I can't believe it. Hi moms. People who don't Hi even, all the moms. People who don't even know who Robert Stack is are listening to this podcast right now. It's so blows, lovely. It blows my mind. I just love it. Let's plug all our stuff. Find us on all the social things, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Perhaps It's You. We want your stories. Anything about Robert Stack. Aliens. Ghosts. 
whatever paranormal All things of the above. mysteries you've solved Perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. Perhaps it's you.com. Uh, support us on Patreon. If you feel so inclined, you will yeah. get a one extra episode a month. We are at patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. So far, we have done occult crimes and alien autopsy. What are we doing this month? Facts or fiction. This month, we are doing the show Sightings, which was sort of like Unsolved Mysteries of Unsolved Mysteries only did ghosts. Ghosts. Mike from Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries turned me on to this. They created a VHS home video special about ghosts. Yes. Which I think it's on YouTube. A, a wonderful, glorious hero citizen has uploaded <laughs> to YouTube. God bless them. So we're going to be watching that and talking about that this month. That'll be the Patreon bonus. And subscriptions of any level, a dollar and up. Or less than a dollar. I don't know if you can even do that on Patreon. I don't know. Gets access to one bonus you, episode a month. If you throw a, 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 a sixpence our way. <laughs> Any Robert uh, Stack dollar will get you yeah. uh, one bonus episode a month. Oh, the uh, the cackling has to stop tote bags. I'm not saying that they're in the works, but we're still considering it. <laughs> yeah. Let us know how many you want. Uh, and we'll think about doing and, that. And, you know, if you wanted to rate us on iTunes and give us five out of five Robert Stacks. Yeah, please. We would accept it. Rate and review five on iTunes. Five star reviews only. Yeah. So, Joffrey, no thanks. Yeah, please don't rate our show, Joffrey. Joffrey's not listening. Um, we could really use some more reviews because it really helps out the show. If you haven't reviewed us on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. We love everyone who has. You can just has. go. I mean, I realize it's a hassle, but just go and go, like, show, good, me, like, That's this fine. is the best. Yeah, it helps the algorithm or whatever. The five fuck. Robert Stacks. You yeah. could just write that, actually. Five Robert Stacks. Yeah. Cool. I'm wearing a trench coat right now. Uh, maybe not that. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> I assume anyone who says that they're wearing a trench coat is wearing nothing else. Yeah, that's true. So Unless they're Robert Stack. Well, yeah. Or like I mean, Mulder and Scully. Yeah, exactly. All right. Is that all we have? I think we should really stop before I say something else weird. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone.